Hello and welcome to yet another episode of Masters of Our Domain, the podcast which is allegedly about the hit 90s sitcom Seinfeld. I'm Milo Edwards, someone who's never seen Seinfeld, and I'm joined as ever by my co-host Phoebe Roy. Hello. That is... Oh, oh my god. That was a bad time to have a yawn. That is all she ever says. Uh, and this week uh, we are joined by a very special guest all the way all the way from uh, New York, uh, stray cat adopter. It's Alex Patak. How are you doing? Could I be any more watching Seinfeld? Thanks for having me. Mm, it's our pleasure. Um, what is the deal with watching Seinfeld for work? It is uh, very humbling when you live in New York City to see mm. Jerry take the town to task. Because <laughs> you're thinking the whole time, that should be me. That should be the way I live my life. Yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, you've you've got to. So I've now I've now become distracted by it. So prior to the recording, we were all discussing uh, Alex's cat, um, which he came to be in possession of after she crawled through his window. Um, mm-hmm. And then Phoebe brought up uh, this story of uh, uh, some neighbours in the UK who were having a a fight in court over who owned this pedigree cat. It's it's not about who owns it. It's about these this couple who were trying to uh, who were trying to legally prevent their neighbour from feeding the cat. And oh, I see. The this new is story a big fuzzy is, cat too. It's a big fuzzy uh, cat called Ozzy. It's going to eat a um, lot of food. It's mm. going to eat. A, it's, he's 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 eaten. Ozzy is eaten. Um, mm. And the um, and the news stories were all like all kind of presented this extremely kind of like portentous way um and there and like with the like with the kind of the pictures of the people involved the woman who was being accused of trying mm. to steal the cat the picture that they chose of her is of her wearing a kind of mad hat and holding like some kind of woolly like gonks um it's like it's genuinely like the most insulting picture of anyone that has ever been used in the national press. Like they would like, they would try and find a more flattering picture of like a multiple murderer than they have found of this woman who is, who has been accused of feeding a cat. Now this hat, would you, would you call it an urban sombrero? Interesting. It's basically an urban sombrero. It is like, it literally is. Interesting. And I don't, I don't know what these like, what these woolly, what these woolly creatures is, but yeah, then, yeah. then intersp- then interspersed is a picture of Ozzy the cat, who is this very grand, grand gray and white Maine Coon, um, mm. who's kind what an of, animal. he's kind of tilting his chin up because he knows, he knows full well that he is the subject yeah. of a dispute. I and, absolutely uh, love the Daily Mail because they include so many just like unnecessary details. Like they've got a picture of the woman who's supposed to have stolen the cat. Um, like uh, at the at the Chelsea Flower Show in 2004 where they're saying that she won an, a gold medal for this garden that she designed. <laughs> this has yeah, nothing to do with the story play. whatsoever. Um, my favourite paragraph is this. When Ozzy returned from long absences, he had been fed, groomed and cared for by someone else, the slut. The family fitted Ozzy with a GPS collar tracked by satellite in November 2015 to confirm their neighbour was the culprit. This is This could only be more British if it involved the bins. Does it have? Well, who's uh, to say the, it does it have the? Does it have mm. the house price um, um, in the, within the within the story? Because they, yes, it's not a yes, real it Daily does. Mail. Yes, yes, yes. Miss ah, Lesbrell lives in a five hundred sixty thousand pound home, centre left in Hammersmith, West London. God, that would be worth a lot more than five hundred sixty grand now. I was going to say 
It's a hell of a home. Yeah. It's like Jerry's apartment, this house. Mr. and Mrs. Hall live in a 2.3 million pound property on the same road. Oh, they're sticking it to her. Yeah. Their more expensive house and their 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 fancy cat. cat. And their fancy cat. Yeah, these people are kulaks. They want the house. They want the cat. You know, come on, where does it end? Mm-hmm. Let's redistribute the, the fluffy lad. I think they should redistribute the fluffy lad. I'm, tr- I'm in the process of trying to get redistributed the cat that lives that lives near me. Oh, yeah. um, because I, I like this cat very much. I've sent you multiple pictures of this cat, the little fat, mm. fluffy brown one, the one with the what ginger beard. What are we talking beard. about? Sorry? Just, well, what breed? What, what, are we, what, oh, what kind tell you of what. cats on I'll the t- table I know, here? I know mm. exactly what breed it is because it's the same breed as my old cat that I used to have when I was mm. when I was um, when I was younger. It's a little Norwegian forest cat. Um, Those are good ones. Really, mm. really good. Um, and because she's got, she's still just about got her winter coat on, so she's got this like huge, like kind of kind of huge sort of like spilling kind of rough beard situation. Oh and yeah, she's really, really mm. good, and she's like, she's she's pals. She always wants to be. She always wants to be pals, and she's come in the house multiple times, like just to kind of, you know, just to kind of explore, knock a few things over. She tried to climb into one of the plants, you know. Sure, yeah, sort, as of, one sort, does. Of, sort of sort of, sta- sort of standard cat behavior. And the other day, I w- um, she came over to say hello, and then her owner comes out. And says, "Oh, you know, she, oh, she, oh, oh, she likes, she likes you." And I said, and I said, "Oh, yeah, you know, we hang out." Um, and then that's when I find out that this cat is called is called Fluffy, and I don't like that at all. I think that is, I don't think that's um, properly respectful of the dignity of mm. this of this animal. So I think that she should come and live with me instead and be renamed a more properly dignified name. What do mm. you consider a dignified cat name? Okay, great question. Mittens. I think cats should have full names. Oh, like Olivia Newton John, <laughs> the cat. Yeah, that would be a good exactly. name for a cat. Actually. I'm go- Olivia uh, when- Newton Yawn would be no, my no, no, cat no, no, no puns, no puns. When what she do you ca- mean uh, no puns? No puns. It's not 2014. You can't give a cat a pun name. No, 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 no. They got they got to be named after somebody. Um, on this mm. on this particular instance, when this cat comes to live with me, I'm going to call her Catherine of. I'm going to call her Catherine Parr, the cat. Mm. Catherine Paul, Catherine no Paul, not Paul. And if anyone says, "Oh, what uh, Paul?" No, because it sounds like Paul. Mm. It does. It does. And that is how I'm gonna weed out um, pun mongers in my circle. I'm gonna pun trick mongers. them. Your rules for puns <laughs> are very niche. I'm noticing. I'm gonna, I'm gonna trick people into yeah. being like, "Oh, it's a pun name." It is not a pun name. It's she not. is named after the mm. final wife of Henry of Henry the Eighth. I'm the removing you from him. my circle for <laughs> thinking it could have been. <laughs> Who, as yeah, you remember from right. the rhyme, survived. Um, yeah. Although, I mean, not not ultimately. She is dead now. Yeah, she's um, she's she's dead now, but she outlived him. Yeah, Phoebe is trying to establish a circle of friends that is entirely established historians, great minds mm. who can mm. recognize figures from history. Yeah, I mean, to be fair, this is like primary school history. To yeah. be fair, like. I like that the the implication of the rhyme divorced, beheaded, died, divorced, beheaded, survived is that the women who divorced him didn't really, in in the truest sense, survive. Like, they experienced some kind of moral death (laughs) due to to divorce um, and and lived a kind of half-life after that. 
See, I went to Catholic elementary school in Massachusetts, mm. and this is the kind of history we learned about or the moral deaths that occurred during a divorce. <laughs> oh, yeah. Mm. Well, the Pope won't give you one. And he won't give you one. And then they had to rename my school because it recently came out that he was a mass pedophile. Oh, oh not a so mass not just like pedophile. A kind of, so not like a single-use pedophile. Yeah. Not, yeah, it's not, not, not like not, a Not the one who's like polluting, like polluting the seas. But yeah. like definitely like a serial paedophile. Well, this like, turtle gets trapped in a single-use paedophile. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Th- uh, uh, it can be a um, a mark against you in the paedophile community to mm. commit your heart to a monogamous uh, child relationship when you when you could be putting up numbers. <laughs> Milo, feel free to take feel free to take this out. But the idea I didn't even say a- his name yet. Mm. The idea of a of a poly pedophile is yeah the polyphile quite quite that's quite funny yeah I think mm. it's like a damn some, shame like, so, how funny like it is. someone who spends a lot of time scolding you about how you see the thing is is that the we're kids a bit are more like annoyed by them immediately like yeah like we're a bit more advanced we don't think that um it's possible to possess one child so we don't think of children as possessions and we don't mm. really, you know, we don't do jealousy. I'm actually sad for you. I'm actually sad for you that uh, you have, that you have yeah. like such you, limited, you limited love to give. Yeah. You pass by a preschool and just think I'm taken. That's sad. That's sad <laughs> to me. That's sad. <laughs> <laughs> Fucking hell. Um, yes. Yeah, you can uh, take that out if you like. No, I mean, it's like. <laughs> actually pretty funny, I think. Um, I think uh, it's, a, it's a Seinfeld Pretty, fu- pretty funny. And, and crucially, you didn't say it. So, <laughs> I didn't say so it. no. No, but, you know, it's, uh, I, think, I think people who've listened to this podcast should know by now that we're not justifying the, the actions of pedophiles. We are, we're simply saying uh, it would be, it's funny to imagine a pedophile who is also polyamorous. That is, that is a funny really idea. As long as it, as long as it is never actually a real thing, <laughs> as just an idea, it's pretty funny. As long as no children are harmed, that is the key that we can all agree on. <laughs> yeah, coverage of Seinfeld season right. one through five was very much like: <laughs> is this a pro pedophile podcast? Let's figure mm. that out. Let's establish ourselves. Yeah. And now, now we know we're just joking. Yeah, eventually we beat the allegations to a series of very clear iPhone note screenshots. Um, <laughs> beat the case yeah <laughs> bulletproof yeah and we were like we will never we'll never support the pedophiles not after what they <laughs> not after what they did not yeah. after what they did not no. after they put alex's school through all the admin hassle of having to change its name oh yeah it's a damn shame for them it is a, it's kind of weird to hear about though like uh when they when we found out that he was a sex criminal or whatever because this guy was like 70 when i was there and all of okay. his like crimes happened 20 years before I was at the school. Right, right, right. I'm So it's like I technically met the guy, but you know, he wasn't in his prime anymore. He wasn't active. Yeah. He was like, he was a dormant 20 years younger. <laughs> he was a dormant pedophile by that point. <laughs> yeah, just giving yeah. tips. That's sad, isn't it? You know, like a like a lame dog, like a pedophile is no longer they've just no longer got the vim and vigor. <laughs> Yeah, he's now just uh, running a church, which was supposedly his job beforehand. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's what they give to retired paedophiles. Mm. Like, that's how they put them out to pasture. Yeah. 
you become so old that in like in relative terms like the age bracket is adjusted and now you do just fancy adults because yeah. there's just like there's just like a limit to how much age gap you can feasibly tolerate well i don't i don't, th- I don't think it's like an age percentage <laughs> that's how it works <laughs> Half your age minus seven. <laughs> yeah, I don't think that's how. I don't think that's how it works with this particular brand of sex criminal. I don't know. You know what? Yeah. Shall we? Okay. You know what? Yeah. Shall we? Because uh, it okay. suddenly occurs to me that now we're in season eight and there are no more mm. opening bits. Um, it's uh, it's quite difficult to segue into. Shall we just talk about the episode because we don't open mm. with a bit. No, we're we no don't longer open opening with, with a bit. bit. Do they do yeah. sketches at this point no. in the show, or is that nope? That's season seven. Yeah, they finished doing the opening bits in season seven. I I liked no. the opening bits. See, this mm. is yeah. we were bickering about this before the show started, but I think this is the that they started missing some of the time around this part of uh, Seinfeld. Mm. Yeah, I don't. Well, having not seen uh, any of the Seinfeld subsequent to this, I can't I can't really comment. But I do think I will miss the opening bits because I think you know we got we got a little window into the tortured psyche yeah. of Jerry Seinfeld. Every yeah. week, and you know, I'm I'm missing well, that. As we, well, as we just as we discussed before, I think that it does make sense to think of the bits as being a kind of a document of mm. Jerry's slow and probably quite painful mental decay, and this <laughs> and this represents his his final his final kind of blown Rock bottom fuse. Here. It's like it's it's just it's it's like it's the light has gone out. Um, he has nothing more so, to give you. He so we still so he's still going he's still going through the motions he's still you know sort of date, dating the girlies and getting mm. himself getting himself into scrapes, but we are no longer able to get that window into his interior life because it's it's gone it's just it's a blank he's become catatonic. They also it's, kind of backseat him some of the times like he's he's like the C plot of this episode he's almost barely in it. Mm. Well, Jerry has been being um, backseated for a little while, actually. Like um, he he took he took a he took a, a, a significant backseat in season mm. seven, which was very much like a Costanza season. Usurped um, on his own show, Summer of Yeah, Lord. yeah. He's been mm. he's been given the old uh, Henry Bolingbroke treatment. What's the Henry Bolingbroke treatment? The old Henry Bolingbroke <laughs> the treatment. The old Henry Bolingbroke. Yeah, you said that so well. confidently. Is <laughs> 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 this like when they when they're talking about plays in American football and they're like, ah, yes, the uh, the the Indian neckerchief, and you're like, what? <laughs> and the old Henry Bolingbroke treatment. <laughs> well, I mean, like ironically enough, the Henry Bolingbroke play is mm. uh, is an American football play. It's not mm. a very common one, but it does exist. Uh, it's yeah. he was, uh, Henry the f- Fourth. He was a usurper. Mm. Oh, it's your the- it's your War of the Roses <laughs> obsession again. <laughs> <laughs> well, come home to roost. Ah, funny you should say it's the Hundred Years War. Oh, okay. It's the one before. Mm. Oh, you cheeky! <laughs> you it's the one before. Cheeky shrew. <laughs> to be fair, if you if you have to guess any war. By length, yeah. statistically, it's very likely to be the Hundred Years' War. It's one of the longest yeah, it's wars. A good, it's, a good, it's a good guess. It's a good guess. Yeah. Isn't it messed up that I'm so poorly educated, I often conflate the Thirty Years' War with the One Hundred Years' War? Well, it, they were they were like um, two franchises of the same thing. It was a yeah, bit like um, te- test cricket and and like T Twenty. You know, uh, the Thirty Years' <laughs> War was just like a version of the Hundred Years' War, but condensed into a shorter play period. It was a restricted number of overs. 
<laughs> well, the, thir- for, the, the, uh, 30 year, the 30 Years War was the one that they released um, in America in deference to the shorter American attention span. Right. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Captain Corelli comes back at the end. 100 Years War, Kai, they yeah. call it. That's a Dragon yeah. Ball Z reference. Mm. Also, way to explain this uh, in American terms, uh, <laughs> adding the test cricket analogy. Which really Americans are very familiar with. Yeah, like, I don't know why he said that, because I don't know what that means either. I just like I, I just snorted because I was just like, that's, that is like, that's so obscure to me. I yeah. literally don't know I don't what know that means. Right. I don't know what T20 I, is. I am not a cricket guy. Um, basically, the, 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 very, the very short and simple version is that Test cricket, um, you play the game until it naturally finishes, like Monopoly. Um, and you oh, have five no. and you have five <laughs> days in which to finish the game. And if the game isn't finished in five days, then it's a draw, basically. Uh, whereas T uh, twenty cricket is a version of cricket where instead of playing the game until like everyone's out, you play until a certain number of overs, which is like six balls have been bowled. So, like, yeah. I think it's 20 overs and innings or whatever. And so it takes place in one day rather than five days. It's often simpler to just play until death. Yeah, yeah, that is basically... Well, a clean end of the game. And a lot of the people who watch cricket, pretty close to death. I think a lot of them are like, I don't know if I'm going to make it to the end of this game. To be well, honest I'll, t- with I'll, you. I'll tell you what, like, cricket, particularly like cricket season, it's like, it's really kind of, it's real woodwork time. Like, people mm. who you would never never imagine were big mm. were big cricket heads just all of a sudden all they talk about real woodwork hours all they talk about is you know is basball yeah well these these gents are so into cricket you'd think they're wasps <laughs> wasps they love cricket. as as at this point a semi-regular australia goer it is very funny because as a as an as an English person specifically, even more so than just a British person, they want to talk to you about cricket because it's like massive there. And I'm like, nah, you see here, this is like a laddie thing that everyone is into. But I was like, in in Britain, barely anyone knows anything about cricket. It's like a real niche. It's like you've got like one uncle who's a cricket guy. And no, I'm like, and I'm not I, that no, no, uncle. This is, no, this is exactly what I'm saying. It is surprisingly popular. Like yeah. every single, oh, yeah. every single year, I am astonished by how many people are like properly, properly into cricket that I know. Yeah, yeah. Oh, I was no, about I, to say, yeah. if you get just like the nation of India interested, that's going to inflate your numbers substantially. It's going to, it's going to artificially <sighs> inflate the numbers. No. I've been there. It's on like billboards and shit. No one likes cricket like the Indian subcontinent likes cricket. I think they're, they've <laughs> really made it this. their own. It's not, they, they, you know, even the Australian fans cannot hold a candle to the enthusiasm um, of, the, of the Southern Asia cricketing contingent. That is, uh, you know. That's true. That's true. But yeah, yeah like, yeah, it's like, it's like, it's like fucking, it's like fucking wrestling, which is something which it never occurred to me that people actually liked until just somehow it all it, like i started meeting people who liked it and they all like cricket as well it's really really it's really really cricket strange. have you just been wrestling crowd cricket, cricket and, and wrestling, wrestling the two it's, genders it's a weird crossover but it definitely exists um wow. anyway, i think you just started meeting more people on twitter is what's happening no maybe that is what it yeah. is but <laughs> but no 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 like not that not that long ago um uh, some of my partner's friends were like, "Oh yeah, yeah, let's go like, let's go watch the cricket." And I was like, 
what are you serious? And they're like, yeah, yeah, it's a really fun day out. And I was like, I don't believe you. That sounds mm. like a boring day out. And they're like, yeah, but you can like, you like, you go to the ground and you can like, you can take like picnics and drinks and stuff. I'm like, I can do that in the park and I don't have to watch a boring game that I don't understand. Mm. I feel this way about baseball as well, which also mm. lasts a American long time. Although never five days. I'll give them that. No. You give them that. Baseball <laughs> does not last five days. By the way, um, it does sound really liberating to clear five days of your schedule and be like, this is just for a game. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Starting a conspiracy theory that cricket was invented to give men something to do during the menstrual cycle. <laughs> <laughs> like, right, lads. This, we've got to get this out of the vicious house. rumor. <laughs> <laughs> the misogynist uh, game of cricket. That's going to be my new... Um, that's a yeah. hot one. Phoebe loves this one, I might add. <laughs> She's dying. Yeah, I am. As secretly, a cricket fan. I'm yeah. secretly dying yeah. as, a, as, a, as a famous cricket fan. Yeah, as a cricket is. fan and menstruator, I think that's, yeah. I think that's real, real, real classic, classic mm. stuff. <laughs> yeah. Um, so the episode of Seinfeld at hand, um, it's season eight, episode one, The Foundation. Um, we get this opening scene where George and Jerry, for some reason, are at Susan's grave with Susan's parents, uh, observing the new gravestone that has been laid. This is you set- know what? Fair play on Susan's parents who aren't like, why is your friend here? Yeah, <laughs> he's they grieving. like they t- they take it quite mm. equably that he has like George's common law husband. That he's brought a kind of errand pal to look mm. at the grave. Well, they need Jerry there because Jerry makes all the faces. That's and true. And so if Jerry he wasn't the there, faces. it would just be characters rea- uh, kind yeah. of do it, monologuing as if yeah. to no one. They're relieved it's not Frank and Estelle, who, <laughs> to be fair, would be the natural people you would presume would be there with George, if anyone. Yeah, that, 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 is, quite a, that is quite a fun thing. You actually never properly find out how Frank and Estelle react to the death of their... <laughs> of their um, of their uh, potential daughter-in-law. Like, mm. I don't think either of them mention her ever. <laughs> I think George's entire reaction to Susan's death is m- minorly fumbled in that they don't seem <laughs> like, they don't want to put it out there that he's like glad she's dead or whatever, but spends mm. the entire time just kind of like complaining about it with no human empathy, like a human lizard. I think it chimes in perfectly with what we know about his character thus mm. thus far, actually. Like, it's not that yeah. he's happy that she's dead exactly, but he's so happy that he no longer has to marry her that um, that her death is a kind of... Mm. <sighs> It's like an it's, it's an acceptable bargain that he yeah. is that he is struck with the universe. It's, it's so odd though because I think just in the sense I think like Costanza on like on some deep molecular level being kind of like a bit glad that he's gotten out of the wedding this way and a kind of like in a guilt free. But the the one thing I think that is missing is like he just seems so like unshocked by it. Like that his that his fiance has suddenly died like shortly before the wedding due to being poisoned by envelope glue. It is such a like you think it would like even if you wanted to get out of the wedding, it's still it's the kind of thing that would still fuck you up. You'd be like, what the fuck? Like, it's such a crazy. Glue. Yeah, I, OK, I agree. 
I do think, however, that the 20-minute sitcom format mm. doesn't leave that much room for examining uh, <laughs> shock, grief, reflecting on mm. the you know on the yeah. uh, ephemeral quality of of life i d i think that would be really really, really atonal dark, with the, the rest of style. with the rest of the show if there was like if there was a kind of like one episode per season where we see the where we see the kind of the the terrible toll that the way that the monstrous way that these people live has exacted on their kind of emotional landscapes mm. so like yeah like i said so like at the start of this at the start of this season we have just kind of a laugh free just like Costanza sitting in his sitting in his flat, um, mm, watching Test cricket, like having like having a kind of slow breakdown. Um, I agree, it would be good. It would be good writing, but it is difficult to introduce into the A plot, B plot, C plot. Uh, keep them jokes mm. are coming format. Yeah, see, and this is the thing. It uh, because Seinfeld is peak nineties sitcom time. It's not taking they're not they're never experimenting with with the form whereas if you had 2021 seinfeld george death mm. episode you and it was like an episode of atlanta or dave there would be a you know half hour uh uh psycho situational like examination where george confronts the demons inside and he's like do i want to sure. be alone but that's mm. because com but that's because like 2021 comedies don't have any jokes in them yeah, they don't have jokes. They're really being held down by the jokes here. And there's yeah. only one that I am loving this episode, and mm. that is George taking a big bite of cheese all the dang time. Yeah, mm. that's good. And, and so you, well, you don't like you don't love any other jokes in this episode? Um, I liked I like I like. Well, I don't want to spoil it. The rest of the um, episodes we're gonna talk about it. But I, um, talk about I think the one that they keep hitting on of George being like annoyed he has to do paperwork is very much like I see this as a joke and I recognize it. It did not make me laugh. I'm sad your wife is dead. And then we, we move on. The other plots I think I you've a got lot better. I think you've got too much emotional connection with the death of Susan. I think do you think like, it's because I'm a wife guy. Because I'm such a big yeah. wife guy, I'm too just caught like, up in the the misery of George. Like, wouldn't it just be awful, like if your wife did, if your wife did die in this horrible in this horrible way? I lost her brownstone. I lost her estate. <sighs> but again, like that's very. I think that's. I think that's very like very. I think that's very Costanza. Like, I think they do. I think they do like go a bit too hard on him, like being like really upset that he's like lost all this money. I think that like. I think that doesn't quite chime. I think that's more like that's a kind of funny joke on its own as opposed to being really like consistent mm. with the Costanza you know okay. character. Here's what they could have done. Sort of it's sort of suggesting mm. that he would be okay with going ahead and marrying this woman that he didn't love if only he'd known about the beach house and so on and so forth. But like that's actually, like I said, that's not actually that consistent with Costanza as a, as a character because he is, um, because he's like, He's definitely kind of low empathy and he's definitely very, very tight, but he's not especially materialistic. He doesn't want to spend money on stuff, but that's not because he's got a bunch of stuff that he's mm. kind of guarding jealously. Like, in fact, none of them are particularly materialistic, apart from maybe Jerry, who likes stuff. Who, well, they who have like that episode where they find out Jerry's rich. Yeah, which yeah. also doesn't make sense. 
the way that they the way and that then they they're uh, like frame I know Lane loves you now because she's yeah, always which, been here for the money, yeah. which doesn't they're like make sense at nine hundred. This guy's it never came up before. Yeah, it doesn't. That doesn't make sense. <laughs> and to be fair, they do. Not only do they un, do they understand uh, that this doesn't work with her character in like kind of subsequent episodes, they drop this line of reasoning halfway through that episode because they're mm. obviously just going like, "This doesn't work. This doesn't work. Get rid of this." Mm. Okay, so here's a, talking this through. I think I've synthesized how this could have worked for me. The, okay. the George Foundation plot, and that is they just have to make his role in it a little bit wackier because the fact okay. that he's not into the admin is like a chuckle from me. Mm-hmm. But if he had to, like, I don't know, give Fountainhead style speeches uh, to a mm. board or something, then I think I could maybe get on board a bit. It just doesn't well, seem like much is being asked of him. Well, mm. they are laying the groundwork for some more George Foundation episodes. Okay. And mm. more Georgia Foundation episodes later on in the series. So it's so, really just yeah. like, so it's really just we're finding out about the about the foundation that the so, Ross has decided to set up in Susan's name. And yeah. this is also Jerry's fault because yeah. Jerry uh, Jerry quotes this bit of Star Trek at them, and they think that it's this really kind of profound statement. He's moved about on from her. Superman. Well, no, he likes both. He's not. He likes both. Yeah, he's mm. like he's he's a. Well, honestly, he's a man actually, of learning. Really, I actually think it's really sad that you don't have enough love in your heart for more than one IP franchise. Actually, mm. I think that's sad that you can't imagine. It's why I could never appreciate with the Marvel someone movies. Might, might love both Star Too many Trek characters. And I don't Superman. want a crossover. Who's this little wooden guy? No, I came here to Who's see wo- one character only. Who's the wooden guy? I don't know. There's always there's Spark. always. No, no, I'm talking about Marvel shit, but I, d- I don't know anything about Marvel stuff. But you know, whenever I, I got oh, dragged. Groot. Yeah, that's the one. I got dragged to see Milo a Marvel movie once. He's a, he's a tree. He's not a wooden guy. What no, is a tree kind of but a wooden, wooden guy? guy. <laughs> yeah, what is a tree like, at the end of the day but a wooden a guy? Wooden guy. Yeah, but like you wouldn't call a, a you'd call like a boat a wooden guy. <laughs> no, no, I think Groot is a wooden guy. <laughs> Look, I got rules ready to go for every possible linguistic the... situation. I wouldn't, yeah, We're out I feel on the like... timber, timber chap watching test cricket and fishing. Okay, I'll tell you what, a cricket bat wooden. <laughs> a yeah. wooden guy. Um, wooden I'll tell you what, I'll a tell you what wi- I think the distinction is. A willow is. gent. <laughs> I'll tell you what I think the distinction a is. Chap. Mm. If you put the en, the n, Mm. On the end of uh, on the end of the word, that's what mm. indicates some kind of artificiality. That's what indicates some kind of uh, mm. some kind of human intervention. And like, I don't think anything which is like natural is mm. so like a graven image or whatever mm. is something which has been worked by a human hand. So if it's wooden, it's been turned from wood, which is what the tree is made out of, into something wooden you know Groot becomes baby Groot mm. he does yeah Groot tiny little tree becoming and so an even a smaller Groot uh, yeah oh, yeah. By the way, tiny little Groot. baby tree if you yeah. enjoy yeah. Groot, you're gonna love that eight. guy you're gonna love that you're gonna love that little guy yeah it's gonna remind you of Newman a little bit yeah yeah um but yeah so yeah Mar- Marvel movies too many too many characters that's my opinion yeah yeah stop make so, it so, less so I think I think it's funny that 
there's a running joke in this episode that people keep quoting the early 90s, like the 90s Star Trek films Mm. and uh, other people around them are under the impression that they are kind of, that they are saying something profound and probably like a kind of traditional quote. Mm. So Jerry says to the Rosses, he's not, she's not dead if we can find a way to remember, (laughs) to remember Mm. her. And they think that this is, yeah, that this is this kind of, oh God, that's lovely. Like real kind of like, you know, like, grief is just love persevering stuff yeah and so they decide to start they decide to start this foundation and costanza is furious with jerry because he thinks that he's like out of this whole situation he never has to deal with his family again he's completely free he doesn't get have to get married And, and and meanwhile his friend is off like irresponsibly quoting star trek um i think that's by the way this confused me wrath of dawn because we are looking into the vast gulf of the past, uh, mm. I just assumed must be a contemporary film for when this came out. Not true. 1982. Oh, yeah, So he's yeah, just yeah. re-watching it... Wrath of Kong. Oh, well, I assume that it's like one of those things where it's like it's a film that they liked when they were kids. Mm. So it's um, a kind or of... even just young adults with, mm. you know, Jerry's yeah. age at that point. So it's, so it's like a kind of Jurassic Park situation. It's... The, you watch the the media culture change into uh, reference humor at this part of the show. Mm. Interesting, yeah. Which yeah. we get yeah. a lot more of. Like, what's the what's the time difference between this and Family Guy? Like five years. Yeah, uh, first Family oh God, Guy, uh, ninety nine. So. Ninety nine. So this as is like early as that. Up. Fucking hell. Yeah. It's I don't know. This is early as that. Brian the dog, Stewie the baby. Mm. I didn't know it was as early as that. Starting a little foundation there. Mm, little foundation for your dead daughter. Mm, it's going well. Little foundation. Oh, you're doing a Stewie. Sorry, yeah. I thought. For, I, th- I didn't. I didn't know what you were doing. For a second, actually. Mm, starting a little foundation there. Going well. Doing some charitable works. Could you imagine running a Family Guy recap show? I know people have done it, but it would oh. be. You would just be explaining 10 sketch clips essentially in a row. I, I yeah. genuinely think it would make in the right hands a great podcast, like just taking apart Family Guy conceptually because there would be just so many like completely out of date references and like it's so weird. Like, I, I, yeah, I, I always they reference think- Dallas a lot. An yeah. early family guy, like they, they're out of control of what they think people like want to hear about. In some ways, the flaw with doing a Seinfeld podcast is that Seinfeld is too conventionally good a show. Yeah. 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 Agreed. Yeah. I feel like, I, I feel destined like. destined to fail. <laughs> I feel like doing a, doing a family guy show would just, just, I think that would just make me really, really like miserable, I think. See, then this is the problem I have every <laughs> I time, would, which is whenever... I think it would be a depression trigger. Mm. Yeah. Whenever you get into Family Guy conversation that, like, uh, you know, the parts of it are so miserable and, uh, uh, you know, loathsome in a modern context, but mm. also that uh, watching the show, I love it almost every time. And so I really would have a tough time, like, uh, giving out C's and D's and stuff. Yeah, mm. it does have it does have some hits in the Family Guy back catalog. You know, for every for every real terrible episode, there are some bangers. Um, 
And I yeah, saw this wonderful clip online it. earlier of uh, they had uh, a Family Guy segment that was we now return to Jaws Fire Island and they're doing essentially the like a come town style gay Jaws thing where they're just like the shark's going to eat you. He's going to eat your leg. I see you for the leg. Oh, yeah. And yeah, you're yeah. watching it and you're saying this is important. This is television. <laughs> Phoebe's <laughs> eyes just narrowing slowly <laughs> throughout. <laughs> I'm sure yeah. you had to be there. <laughs> it's right. Um, um, yeah. yeah. Okay. So that's so that's what that's what Costanza is up to. He is yeah. he is then he is then given a kind of an ex- a, a list of the um, the he's assets. given a list of the assets that um, now belong to the foundation that were going to belong to him. Um, he uh, he's you know he's so nearly out and then he's just been pulled back in. There's a right at the end. There's an uh, there's a, a really there's a really good joke, um, I think, where you find out that the doll collection that from season seven mm. um, is worth two point six million dollars, and they're gonna yeah. go through the and they're gonna go through the doll, yeah, doll it's, collection. It's one next by one. door to a five hundred and sixty thousand dollar doll collection in Hammersmith. <laughs> yeah, um, and uh, then he like, I think this is just a really good visual joke. He looks up at this quite spooky painted portrait of Susan that is in the foundation's mm. room, the sort of main kind of main meeting room. And it does look like she is smirking at him because this is her like this is this is Susan's final revenge that Costanza has mm. to spend his free time and weekends listening to a kind listening to a kind yeah. of inventory of this priceless doll collection. She's killed herself that, uh, by envelope. Good. She's escaped from the sickness that is life. Yeah, I think this is I think this is I think it's I think I think it's I think it's good. Um good for her. So she deserves a silent revenge. I I quite agree. So we should um, never have made this glue from hemlock. <laughs> um so <laughs> Uh, so that's what Costanza is up to. Should we do Jerry yeah. next? Yeah, so Jerry's oh, plot Jerry. is like a little bit unclear, but it's kind of like he, because he was briefly engaged, he now yeah. thinks that women are into him because he they they see that he is ready for commitment. He can go all the way, which mm. they well, establish. And I think well, in the writer's room, they thought this was going to be a big line, but they're like, for women going all the way is getting is it engaged. being engaged? Mm. Yeah, it's like a kind. It it's means just like, watching it's a, five days of Test cricket. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, it's like it's a it's a, it's a little bit of a little bit of nineties ninety uh, sexism there that like not there or not are all the way there all the way there all the way there all the way and they're always uh, shopping. So mm. he is so he is split up with uh, Janine Garofalo. Um, yeah. She has had to return to her. Return yeah. to her cave and to her other uh, kind of cuddly creature pals. She had to um, go film Mystery Men. I was, is that why? <laughs> I don't know. She's hella booked <laughs> in the nineties. She's on it's everything. True. It's true. Mystery I, Men. I, that was like the, the adult version of Scooby Doo. <laughs> Big fan. Check out Mystery Men. They, one of Dane Cook's earlier roles. Ah, oh, Dane Cook. Yeah, he has a brief appearance as the Waffler. And he waffler. does, he, well, he does Dane Cook voice. And he's like, I'm the waffler. I got truth syrup. And, he's a wooden uh, guy. It's the waffler. Mm. <laughs> he's like 
Groot. That's what Groot was back then. Was Dane Cook appearing for thirty seconds Dane saying he's Cook the Waffler? The Waffler. Yeah, I'm um, the Waffler. So they so they have so they have a kind of quick kind of flashback scene where they show them saying simultaneously, "I hate you," and Jerry mm. is delighted because he thinks it's he thinks it's the only uh, he thinks it's the only uh, truly mutual breakup in existence. Um, he tells Elaine this. She goes, "Yeah, yeah, yeah." There's a great Elaine line when um, he said, "Did you really believe me when I said that?" And she says, "No, I didn't buy it, and you shouldn't be selling it," which is a wonderful scene of writing. But you're getting into Elaine's plot there yeah, that's because true. she has that's a transformation. A, she has a transformation. I'm just mm. saying, like, this is just a, this is just a little preview. It's just a little kind of oh, and uh, you know, a let's see what of the Elaine. Plot. Let's see what Elaine's doing. It's 10 a.m. and Elaine is in the shower. Um, now, so now on. you're talking my language. <laughs> so on and so forth. That's what they should do. They should do like uh, they should do like a kind of ten a.m. Elaine is in the shower. Elaine is brushing her lovely hair, etc. Jerry is fucked up again. The girls from last night are no longer interested. For non-UK <laughs> listeners, what that yeah. was that we're doing <laughs> there, I feel that does require some kind of explanation. George that is, what is the, in the diary room. <laughs> that's that's what I'm enjoying big, it nonetheless. Yeah. That's what the big that's what the big big brother um voiceover sounded like. Yeah. Oh my god. So it was just a, a very Geordie man. That's a real that's a real deep cut for the early noughts heads over here. Yeah. Um such as such as they are. Um, so Jerry has been going around telling people that this was an entirely mutual breakup. It turns out that nobody believes him. He runs into um, and he runs into an ex. He runs into the girl whose name he didn't know and who he nicknames Mulva because she has a nickname. She has a name that rhymes with the part of female anatomy. And he thinks that he's like quizzing with her. And then he tells that it was a mutual breakup. And she goes, look, you know what? When I heard you got engaged, I thought you'd matured. But turns out you're just as much of a baby, much of a baby as you always were. So he decides to do some research to find out what women find the most, uh, the most sympathetic breakup story. And mm. he like, and he like goes and finds kind of various women and like kind of asks them kind of long list of questions. And then he rings Costanza up at the foundation, who is like do, who is like been trapped there, going through this like gigantic inventory of like Susan's dolls, um, and, and and like the and the beach house and all this other and all this other stuff that the Rosses um, that the Rosses have. And he says like, yeah, your story, yours is the winner. The women like the dead wife. Women like the dead fiance. That's that. That's that's it. That's the story. There are hot girls in the cafe. You gotta come down here and tell them that you got a dead fiance. Mm. And there's a fun little callback to when Elaine is stuck working for Mr. Pitt and has to say, "I can't go." Um, and Costanza says, "I can't go. I can't play out because he is oh, uh, he is now trapped. Uh, he is now trapped by Susan more than ever, mm. and that is why she smiles down from him. From he's the a great tragic figure. At him, yeah, George, yeah. they'll be there later. Yeah, but well, they might not be. They might not be. Um, you know, women so, yeah, so that's lighty. So that's the, so that's Jerry's that's that's Jerry's storyline. So let's I do like Jerry's storyline as a backup. Is always like he goes on a date. Yeah, cut it, yeah. print it. Yeah, yeah, fine, works. Can't go wrong if it ain't broke. If it ain't. Mm. 
broke. So yeah, Elaine's storyline is really the meat of the episode. It is, oh my yeah. god, best part. Even eclipsing, yeah. even eclipsing Kramer. There is also yeah. uh, there's also a bit which I imagine is probably quite uh, sexually difficult for uh, for viewers and sexually fans difficult. and and, like and a high Milo. difficulty level like like when high you're like learning level. the guitar and they like rank the songs in like how yeah, hard they are exactly. to play but like exactly. sex positions like sexually difficult like this particular yeah. Elaine thing it's really it's for experienced shaggers only yeah it's like it's for people who can get their legs like right over their shoulders like don't mm. like if you have like if you have a tendency towards like you know head rushes then don't even attempt yeah, to, yeah, yeah. to watch this Gotta scene be able to fully pretzel um, yourself yeah so uh there's a bit where she is uh in the office sort of with a kind of cigar between her teeth mm. and it's, it's she it's becomes hard. a uh, madcap ceo she becomes she, a madcap she, becomes... she becomes a madcap ceo because uh uh, Peterman is um, has has gone completely burnt out and has left the office, has left the catalog, has moved to Burma. There is a running joke that it's now it's now known as uh, Myanmar. I think it's back to Burma now. Well, yeah, saying this is like a fun dated uh, thing. Yeah, they're like yeah, it's called Myanmar now. And then they were like, and the, yeah, that was that but, was the riff because yeah, yeah I'm pretty I sure think it's back to it's back to Burma basically, now. Basically, sure. Myanmar was like the the rebrand that the military junta did i was gonna say isn't my mother junta name yeah and then and, now and it was now weird because to- i remember back in the day that you would occasionally get political correctness policed for calling it burma but it turns yeah. out that burma was the correct term all along and it was the, all along. the proper yeah like yeah no it's like it's like you have every so often in the 90s not very often but every so often you would hear someone calling um cambodia Kampuchea, which is the Khmer name every ah. so often um i don't know if, i don't know if i've said it right in fact i think i haven't said it right but anyway i've only ever seen it written down i don't think i've ever, don't think mm. I've ever um but yeah, like I in like in, books, in like books in the in the 90s you occasionally would get the the khmer name mm. uh, for cambodia um but yeah so it's back to burma and there's a fun what, little the joke. khmer rouge a lot a lot less fun than mulan i'll say that yeah. i agree not as upbeat of a film <laughs> I don't. I, I'm. I'm really sorry. I don't see the connection here. What? What the Khmer what, Rouge what, what? and Moulin Rouge? Oh. Okay. Now I see. Okay. Yeah. Fine. But then I oh, realised really, also really... Moulin is just a different film. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's what I thought you meant. <laughs> that's what I thought you meant. I was, I was like, you know, Disney's that, like... Moulin about a woman who pretends to be a windmill. <laughs> it's about a woman who pretends to be a man in order to get into the Khmer Rouge. Um, <laughs> That's yeah, right. I was just yeah. like, I was, <laughs> she, she pretends she wears contact glass. lenses. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Hmm. Eddie Murphy portrays glasses, a dragon think. who does unspeakable things. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Eddie Murphy is a war criminal dragon in <laughs> the in 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 Mulan. Yeah, no, no, because I was just like, but it's like a, it's a different, it's about a different country. I don't I'll understand make what the a connection is. Out of but you. now I get it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. good, 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 yeah. good. It's, it's yeah. year zero, bitch. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. That would be good. All right, and yeah. and complete that riff on your own at home. Um, why not? Why not? Um, so yeah, so there's a fun, there's a fun bit where Kramer. Uh, has never heard of Myanmar and he says what is that a discount pharmacy which mm. is um, potentially a bit of an eyebrow raising joke but it's also quite funny so uh, yeah. so <laughs> take it as you yeah. will 
And also, Take now that we know it's will. not the sort of ethnically correct name for Burma, it's fine. Yeah, so now you can say it. So now you can yeah, laugh at that joke up. again. It's, um, sort of, it's sort of a slur for no one. Yeah, it's a rare, like. it's a rare lacuna, a mulligan. Yeah, um, yeah. Exactly. So yeah, you can't yeah, keep crying like. on a leech. Uh, mm. So, so Elaine has been left in charge of the catalog, and, and immediately she's just becomes been on, drunk with power. And she's just been on this trip to Mexico, and she get and she's like, I don't, I don't know what I'm doing, and and Jerry's like, No, you really, really don't know what you're doing. Um, uh, but Kramer then shows up and gets her all jazzed up mm. uh, on um, on talk that he's that he has picked up from his karate practice, which, by the way, is a uh, is an extended joke, which is then stolen more or less wholesale by friends about three years mm. later. It's um, good. And uh, yeah, so he so he's talking about his karate and about how he was able to um, access a kind of a sort of a chi kind of energy situation, um, mm. and it really and it really jazzes Elaine up. And she says like, "I can do this," and, and Jerry's like, "No, no, no, she can't." And she gets so jazzed up that she comes up with this ludicrous this ludicrous idea based on something that she's seen in, in her trips to Mexico called the urban sombrero, which is a, which is a, which is some, which is a sombrero for wearing in the, for wearing for like businessmen. Urban um, sombrero like a- would be like a really bad Mexican restaurant in Whitechapel run by a Bengali <laughs> man. Yeah. 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 Sorry, it can be a great like 2000s rock act. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Get Kid, Kid Rock's brief like Latin rock turn. <laughs> um, what did you think of the Urban Sombrero? Because I liked it. I don't know. I think it's kind of cute. I think mm. it went I, in and out of. Maybe it's just that fashion is cyclical like this, and there was a, it was at the wrong point in the parabola. But I, right now, yeah. I think it could be in. Mm. I think it could be in. I'd wear one of those. Um, the Sombrero, so, the Urbrero. So, Climate change chic. Mm. Yeah. Jerry finds so Jerry finds out that uh, Kramer's karate class that he is being so kind of like sort of snooty and and up himself about mm-hmm. uh, is a children's karate class because they're at the same school. We're at the same level. Just started. Yeah. Um, and there's a fun scene when we see Kramer beating up a <laughs> beating up a series of children. Um, and Jerry can't tolerate how smug Elaine is being about like being the kind of the big deal CEO. She's like, yeah, I got the, I got the, uh, I got the, the issue in, she's a peach. And that's the sexually difficult. That's the, mm. um, like 10 out of like 10 out of 10 Karma Sutras scene. Oh yeah. Cause she's, um, she, she's chomping on a cigar this whole she time. Is it is chomping on that cigar. Yeah, and she says death. she's a peach. Yeah. It's, it's she's pretty yeah. much J Jonah Jameson. Yeah, it's it's very it's very mother. Get me pictures that, of the urban sombrero. Bit. Yeah, very <laughs> lesser known Marvel superhero, the urban sombrero. The urban sombrero. Very mommy. Sort of a 60s property. Yeah, yeah a couple I think of problematic watching scene, movies. Watching Elaine chop the cigar did make me feel alive for the very first time. Yeah. And so I did enjoy that. Yeah, and it, it was would my do. favorite part of the whole thing. Yeah, it would do, would do. Uh, mm, yeah. So Jerry can't tolerate um, Elaine succeeding and being happy. So hello, sorry, the I just got distracted by side. the cat. Mm. Oh, because the way that the way you got your camera, you can only see her little ears. Hello, mm. <laughs> she is a good. Oh, this is good. she's really, really good. I bet she's, she's really nice and soft. 
podcast darling is this oh, cat. Darling, mm. darling of the show. She knows how to fill the air. Good she God. looks like a she looks like she's got that kind of, you know, like like that kind of velvety, kind of really short, dense fur. It's really, really good. It's insane. Like I'm pulling whole clumps of it off when I'm patting her. And you can't it does not pick it up on the camera, but it's like it, it looks like my house is full of smoke with how much hair is coming off this cat. Beautiful. Just hanging in the air. Well, she is a perfect precious angel. And I think you should I think you should put her in your will. That's what I think. Mm. Yeah, I'm thinking I'll probably die before she does. She's a ten year old cat, but you know, I yeah. the way I live my life with the number of podcasts I do, I don't have that much time left on this earth. Leave it to yeah, George and, Costanza. Like and also like excessive podcasting is a terminal condition, so That is true. So, Not um, even once. May I say did either of you take a karate class as a no. as a young Buck. I I did, no. yeah. Did you? Now, yeah. Which Here's how how, how, good did, really... how good did you get? Um, uh, like like over halfway, but um, then my. What do you mean over halfway? Is that well, like, over like halfway? Up, up, so. up the belt, you know, in the in the oh, belt right. system. I thought, I thought you meant like on your karate journey. <laughs> he punched yeah, yeah, yeah. like to like his elbow didn't fully extend. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, of course. He got then, he got his hand like halfway through a board and now he just has to carry the board around with him everywhere. Then my He's uh, like wank. I had like kind of a good uh karate instructor guy who was like he was like kind of him, you know, he was good at the at the karate and so he was, you know, he used to teach us <laughs> stuff whatever. Um and then he moved away and then he like recommended we all go and join this other cr- club. I don't know. I was maybe like 11 or 12 or something. And um, this new club was like a Potemkin karate club. Like, oh. you just had to like turn up and then you would do some like bullshit kind of pretendo karate. And then if you went to enough lessons, like every three months, they'd just give you a new belt. What the hell? And, I'd, and then I was like, but you all suck at karate. Like, there's no, you're not actually doing any. Whatever happened to the dignity of the dojo? I know. No dignity of um, the dojo. And this was what radicalized me. And the, the, karate club. the thing is, they really sell you on the fact that you'll be taking Kramer style karate classes and you just show up and get to brawl. And that's all I wanted to <laughs> yeah. do when I was 11. And yeah, they yeah, don't yeah. let you punch anyone the whole time. They're like, practice this like routine in front of a mirror. What the hell is that? That's not what mm. I showed up here for. I want to start taking out children. Exactly, yeah. Not only should they let the children fight, they should let you as an adult go to a karate class and choke out a child. Which is what Kramer does get to do. Yeah, he yeah. does. He does. Although, to immense success. Although he does mm. uh he does get his comeuppance for that. He loses face in front of the dojo because Elaine visits him, um mm. having lost her confidence in herself in the urban sombrero, uh, because uh she's undercut her own motivation by finding out that Kramer is fighting children. And she shoves him on the ground, which Michael Richards does with a great Mm. aplomb. Beautifully. It's a... And also it turns turns out that the kind of karate philosophy stuff that he is telling her um, is also from a Star Trek film. Also Star Trek callback. Yeah. Search for Spock. Um... Yeah, yeah, and so once he's lost face in front of the whole dojo, it is. And you also to say you also get in, a kind of yeah. fun snapshot into kind of the rest of their lives, uh, where Kramer says Jerry will tell you that Wrath of Khan is a better picture, but this one's my favorite. And so you then are invited to picture these adult men rowing about which the best eighty Star Trek film is. Mm. 
I do believe the consensus is on Wrath of Khan, but it has been a long time since this episode came out. That's true. Mm, the tricky one. Yeah, if you've got any thoughts on that, do write in. But yeah, I mean, who doesn't dream of being, you know, roughly shoved to the ground <coughs> by Lane? Especially after seeing her chomp on that cig- cigar. Yeah. And then be- because mm. he is so humiliated in front of these children, they corner him in a yeah. gang-style situation and rough him up in an alley in the end credits. That's 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 true. Oh. They do, um, but it. Kramer getting curb stomped it, by a gang of children. But it is beautiful when Elaine says, "No, but he got me all like jazzed up and juiced up and convinced of my convinced of my capacities and like, well, oh, what the fuck? Why has he done this?" And Jerry says, "Ah, oh, come on, like it's fine. Like you got the you got the issue out, didn't you?" And then she produces mm. the urban sombrero and says, "I put this on the cover," which is another right. another yeah. fun another fun visual joke. Which doesn't uh, land for me because I think it looks great. Because you I think, think she looks great you know in what? it. I think you look great in it. Uh, there, there aren't that many things that she wouldn't look great in, though. Like that is the thing is she's just an at, ideal sombrero model. Yeah, she yeah, really, she's really a is. Model. She's a misleading model. She's a woman put it on who someone can else. wear a sombrero. She is a woman who can wear a say You're something a hat. Bit Bill Clinton there. <laughs> <laughs> when I saw that woman in a sombrero. Oh, it smokes. Call it's not easy. NATO. <laughs> I first yes well. with old Billy. I accidentally agreed to the high altitude bombing of Belgrade. <laughs> oh. I was so distracted by this beautiful woman in a sombrero. So it's really it's that woman who stopped the Bosnian genocide. <laughs> she could have done. If anyone her. could have done, they could have sent her in. That's why they could have sent her in like kind of Matahari. Mm. To like There's a statue of a woman in a sombrero the in uh, Kosovo, <laughs> the savior of the uh, of the Kosovar Albanians. You should see um, her do her yes. jerky dance. Good <laughs> lord! Oh my um, god! Okay. <laughs> and yeah, we get this. We get this fun post-credit scene where Elaine is sat like despondent on the subway next to these two men who are saying about how they both bought the urban sombrero because it was on the front of the catalog and it like ruined their lives. Um, and I just, I just think it's so funny the idea that like the Jay Peterman catalog is that influential that like whatever you put on the front of the catalog, men will buy it and it will ruin their life. Like they can't stop themselves. Mm-hmm. What is the real world equivalent of the Jay Peterman catalog? Is it like Land's End? The Jay Peterman catalog's a real thing. Ooh. Oh, really? Yeah. I'm feeling very undercut in my masculinity, not knowing. Yeah, that. it's yeah, a real it's, thing. A, it's a Burmese clothing uh-huh. retailer. <laughs> Wait, so Jay Peterman's um, like a real guy, but they depict him on the show? I don't know if Jay Peterman is a real guy, but the Jay Peterman catalogue is a real catalogue. I don't know if it's like a, if it's like a kind of pretendo guy mm. like Hagen does or whatever. Wow. This is like when Milo Mr. found H out about does. I know. Yeah, well, Jay Peterman is a wooden guy. Yeah, he's a wooden guy. <laughs> yeah, he's a wooden he's, fella. He's got cricket bats for um, arms. Let's tie all no, the themes the- of the episode together. <laughs> in the UK, what have we got? Country casuals, uh, Little Woods. Bowden. Um, Bowden, yeah. Um, uh, cotton traders. Hush. Jewels. But I think Hush is a little bit higher end. Ooh. Ooh, yeah. Higher end. A little bit higher end, yeah. Wouldn't put a sombrero in a Hush. That's for dang sure. No. High-end urban sombrero haberdashery. That's what hush stands for. Good. I don't think we're going to get better than that. No, folks. I think I think, it's, I think that is the that is the end That's of the my episode. One talent. <laughs> yeah, that was damn good. Yeah, it remains to us only to thank Alex very much for joining us. Thank you for having me. What a delight! I love Seinfeld. It's been a, it's, 
It's been a pleasure. Thank you for um, producing Alex, the it... show, Seinfeld. Yeah, I well, I have been working on it for a while, <laughs> and I'm glad you all enjoyed it. People are gonna love um, this thing when it comes out. Is there anything you would like to plug to our loyal hogs? Yes, um, I have a newish podcast where we read and analyze Ooh. Quora's from the website Quora. It is on YouTube. Oh man, what a website! What a website! If you would like to just watch hours and hours of intense Quora analysis, please subscribe to Quoraators on Gmail on, on mm. Gmail on YouTube.com. Uh, it's like curators, but for Quora, because I I already see okay, the feedback nice. coming in about the title. We've moved beyond that. It's on YouTube. It's wherever podcasts are sold. Quoraators podcast. I'll see you there. Yeah, and you need enough people to listen to it so that there is a, a Quora quorum. It is kind of like we built in a structural flaw into the show where the more successful our podcast gets, the more people fuck with our Quora questions before we can cover them. Oh, that's very annoying. So I, I hope that the show becomes successful enough where it is literally untenable to continue. But as of right now, it's fine. Amazing. A podcast with like a, a fail-safe device, lest it should become too powerful. Um, yeah. And if you're listening to this, uh, this has been a, a free one. Uh, we have a Patreon. It's, it's $3 a month to get the basic bonus episodes package. It's $5 a month for the Discord and the Movie Corner episodes, uh, which this month will... Sure as hell be something. It's TBC, the movie corner, but there will be one. And also at the ten dollar tier, we do have the What's the Deal miniseries where we riff away with some of our favorite comedians and other personalities. Um, so yeah, please do, please do support the show on Patreon if you have the means to do so. Otherwise, we will see you very soon. Bye bye. Bye bye. Bye bye.